Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast like where Jeff Seabach and Phil Sexton come together to talk about our industry, our business, and ways that we can put the consumer first. And when we talk together, Jeff, about these topics, we actually do it in front of a live studio audience. Live. On Zoom. Yes. If anybody who's listening to our podcast out there and you think, man, I wish I could join them to ask them these burning questions that I have, then just visit realestateleopard.com and put your phone number in there and we'll ping you. We'll shoot you a text message whenever we're going live. And so you, you too can attend. And what happened last podcast is that our, our Zoom interactive audience turned into an in-person interactive audience mm-hmm. because JB was in town and he joined us. So not just limited to Zoomers. Yeah. All right. Okay, Zoomer. But today's topic is more about, I feel like we got into a little bit of like, I felt like we put our trainer hat on last podcast where we talked about things that we did, strategies that we use on on building our business, which typically we've been talking about a lot of the issues that we see in the industry. Yes, yes, yes. And we haven't gotten into like the tactics of what, how we look at this industry to help build our business. But last week we did. Well, last week, we, well, we were talking about how we were helping those that joined Leopard how we were talking about how they can get leads off of their listings. And what a property level lead is. And what a property level lead is. And then I thought, well, as a subsequent podcast of first, let's tell you how you can create more leads that are fee-less, not fearless, but F-E-E-less, fee-less, because when you add a rider, once you're part of Leopard and you add a rider to your listing and the consumer scans a QR code and that lead comes directly to you because we give you your your listing leads off of your listings to you without a fee, then there's going to be objections. So I figured you had a great cliffhanger last episode because you were about to, it was like you were about to talk about the most common objections that we hear from property level leads but we were out of time. Right. Because we had, we talked about open house leads. We talk about Zillow leads. We talk about sign calls and they're all property level leads. So now we need to help them. Today's topic is right. how to handle objections from property level leads. Right. So just because they're a property level lead doesn't mean the fish jump in the boat. Well, the thing is, is just in today's world in general, the consumer is, I'm going to say overarmed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, because here's what it is. It's the change, but it's because the, I don't think that the world of real estate prepares agents like they should to grow their own business. So there's not been a lot of classes on how to handle the leads that come to you because the consumer's changing rapidly and how they come into us because you know, when some, I mean, <clears throat> I asked an agent when I was interviewing last week, how long do you think a person is thinking about moving before they actually move? Let's ask the studio audience. All right, studio audience. Linda, Michael, welcome, Stephen. Good to have you. How long does a person think about moving before they move? Before they actually transact and buy a house or sell a house. Like, okay. like when does that process begin? Like, what is the time frame of how long they're in the research process and there's no wrong answers well i have a range of what i i okay I, yeah right. let's hear it linda i'm gonna wait for your unmute oh, button. she's Man, she was okay. 
I think it's at least six months minimum. Probably. Six months, nice. And it looks like Stephen said six months to a year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good and good. Did you say Tracy also chatted? What did she say? She's unmuted. Oh, Tracy's unmuted. Tracy, let's hear. I would agree. Six months to a year. Okay. Six months to what a year. What about JB? What do you think? <clears throat> He's looking for the unmute button. He's so used to being in person, he could just talk then. <laughs> I was saying the space bar, it didn't work. Um, I mean, uh, uh, I hear people who are two or three years out who will just go, hey, how's the market? And that's the issue is... You never know when they're closer, when they're just starting to put out feelers, but either way, they fall in the pipeline. Just ding, 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 ding. JB is actually accurate. Well, why, the, to me, I'm not saying that I am the, you know, all knowing, but- Wait a minute, let's mark mark the time. What, say, that, <laughs> say, that, say that again. No, but what, why, why that we believe it's six to 12 months is because- It's short. It's, you, we don't believe it's six to 12 months. It's, I think it's two to three years that people are thinking about moving. Right. But because now the consumers, because what used to happen is I would get a call two to three years out from when they were thinking about moving. And they would ask me, what are the steps? What should I look for? How do we prepare the house? Like we would go through all that. But now the first two years or so of the process, all the research is done online. True. So now we only think the reason why we heard six to 12 months is because that's when we start to hear from them in the property level leads, because most of the research that's done before they start to go to open houses, before they start inquiring about houses online, because that's when we start to hear from them. So, yeah, the, the, I have a personal story. The point is, is that they're coming. That's why the objections have changed over time, because they're, they've now done all of this research and now they're more prepared when they engage with you because they're, they're more ready than the agents are ready to, to handle the objections. What's your story? My story is, uh, you know, the, my wife and I and our three kids have lived in our house since 2013. It's a great place. Love it. But is it the school district that we want to be in when the nine-year-old goes to high school? I don't know. I'm looking at other at other school districts. And so now I feel like I have this six year window. Right. Or when how old are you when you go to high school? 14, 13, 12 to 14, 12 to 14. So I've got three to four year window of watching the market with the school districts that I want to be in before I have to make a decision to buy. Right. But here I am right now starting to research the different school districts that offer the International Black or whatever program it is that we're looking at. To figure out, and here I'm th three, four years out, right? Just like normal, just like consumers, they're starting to think I'm going to retire in three years. I wonder if we should go to Arizona or Florida, right? I'm like not necessarily a property level lead. I'm not going to call a listing agent to say, "Can I see your house?" But I am just starting to look. Well, because the the actual objections that we're going to get to during that is I'm not. I'm not ready to move. I'm not moving. Right. Cause that's, those are the leads that you get online that come in that are, they're not close to moving, getting ready to transact. So that's a different objection that you get there. Fair. Right. I, I mean, in all of the um, objections that you get from a property level lead, there's a phrase that Jeff Seabach has ingrained in my mind. Do you know what phrase isn't, I mean, I know there's lots of them, but the one that I'm thinking of right now, 
Uh-uh. Pay attention. To what they do, not what they say. To what they do, yes. not what they say. No, that is. And when you're a that, property level lead, like I'm not going to call a listing agent now because I'm literally three to four years away. But I would call a listing agent if I was closer or I would go visit that open house if I was closer. And so if I gave the pitch of I'm not interested, thank you. I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore what you just said to me because you're clearly in a property level, you're a property level lead at that point. And so I'm going to pursue you as if you're ready to make a decision. You're just trying to blow me off. Well, I mean, years ago we used to do, I used to do a lot of neighborhood tours because the people wanted to know. And that was my selling feature because sometimes we wouldn't even look at a house. We still do neighborhood tours. Right. But that's usually people that are not property level leads because they don't even care about going to see the houses. All right, Michael, what's a neighborhood tour? Or anybody that wants to participate with an unmute button. When Jeff says, I used to do a lot of neighborhood tours. What are we talking about? Actually, Michael. Michael nice. Yes. What's up, man? Um, hey, now. Uh, so when you say neighborhood tour, I'm thinking like you used to just go around with the camera showing people what the neighborhood is like. That is actually, you know what? I give you credit because we developed those type of videos on probably 1500 neighborhoods when we were working on building our website. Yes. However, we took it to the next level on our neighborhood tour because we we've got a lead from an age. We've got a lead. We're talking to that person and they say, I'm not ready to buy yet. Right. I'm I'm not ready. And so to help overcome that objection, which today's topic, Uh we would say, "Okay, cool. Actually, what we do when you're not quite ready yet is we we host a neighborhood tour. Yes. And that is where we actually get in the car together. We schedule some times to see houses in different neighborhoods we drive through so that i can share with you the chemical makeup of every neighborhood <laughs> the chemical makeup of the neighborhood well i to me because um what it was more i guess it was more common then than it is now because everybody goes online now but people from out of state typically the only thing that they can't find online is the chemical makeup of the neighborhood meaning how many families live there, how many empty nesters. And of course, everybody makes the face that you do because you're not allowed to steer, but that's, it was just good school districts. So, I mean, there's different ways that you would phrase it. You, you know, there's no no steering at all. It's just storytelling of the clients that you put into different neighborhoods. And it actually is allowing you to brag about the clients that you have because you're like, Oh yeah. And John and Mary live there. Oh yeah. And Phil and Laura live there. And uh, yeah. you know, and they, their kids go to this school over here. The and reason they why they like short hair terrier and they go to this dog park over here. Yes. And their son likes to ride a bike and therefore they chose Greyhawk over McDowell mountain ranch. Cause it's built on Hills, stuff like that. Right? Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the other things that I like to say is when we're pitching the neighborhood tour is that when you when you learn about the chemical, when we're explaining to you the chemical makeups of the different neighborhoods, what you get to see is how f- much further your money goes on this side of the street versus that side of the street, inside of this school di- this school district versus that school district. Like you can spend three hundred thousand if your budget is three hundred thousand or three million dollars. It looks like this over here in this neighborhood, and it looks like that over here in this neighborhood. You also get to see the architecture of the different neighborhoods, where this one might seem a little bit more cookie cutter, mass, 
mass planned, but the insides of the houses are nicer, where these are larger lots, more custom homes, but they're older. It was really built on, if we have six to 700,000 in this neighborhood, we could be in a regular gated. In this yeah. one, we can be in a guard gated. In this neighborhood, you can't get a gate. In this neighborhood, you can be on the golf course. In this neighborhood, like just so they could understand and match up what their requirements were based on what neighborhoods they wanted to be in. And it was a softer sell when somebody comes it in. It was all focused on the people that were two to three years out or four years out or right. five years out. So that would be the average of two to three because they were always, they didn't even really care. They know what they wanted in a the house. They were just trying to see what neighborhood that they could live in. So, yeah. Nice. All right. That's, that was one. You used to do a lot of neighborhood tours. Okay. So we also get, we, we also have people when they come in as a property level lead, they say things like, what you got another objection for me oh i have an agent is like the in oh that's awesome where are you guys looking um we're looking at troon at troon and Great. desert mountain and desert mountain okay cool. are we role-playing right now no that's what i thought that we were role-playing oh okay yeah. yeah i i just wonder if the studio audience heard how i overcame your objection that was the first one we gave out. Did it, the, the challenge of the way that you and I educate people is it blends right in. <laughs> and that's what makes great training is, is that it's hard because it just comes out so natural. Why you, you know, I mean, we don't make points, yeah. up, but that was the. The problem is I, we've trained a lot of agents and they come to us or we'll hear calls, the recorded calls. And when somebody says I have an agent, they, it stops them in their tracks. Right. As opposed to the agent saying, what was my script? Oh, that's awesome. Where are you looking? Because then you just blow right past that. Like everybody has an agent. We're all related to right. realtors. The key, the key is not to let it throw you off. You expect, expect them to say, I have an agent. So um, can we ask them what? I have what, another, what, I now have another the, one. I think that the key though is to define what the consumer means by I have an agent. I just want to see, oh. um, right? Maybe Tracy or Michael. Tracy, you know, Tracy, Tracy is a salesperson. Yes. Right. She's Tracy, a very good. So she knows how to overcome objections. Right. So when they say I have an agent, Tracy, what are they actually saying? They don't want to attach themselves to you at that point. Correct. What else? Tell me more. That's number one. That's very good. Don't want to attach themselves. Yep. They probably know an agent and they're just using that as their excuse because they don't want to be uh, marketed to or called, etc. at this point in time. Right. Tracy, would you say that they're receiving probably emails from an agent they've met at some point in their career? Yes. Okay. Yes. Maybe receiving emails. Yes. Anything else? Mm, am I missing something? Well, the only one is actually the one that actually is signed to buy a broker. They're, I mean, they all say, I have an agent. All those, any one of the three things Tracy said, including ones that actually do. And that's why you have to clarify when they say, I have an agent. First, you have to not get excited and ask them about their neighborhood and then readdress after, right? So- yeah, because when they say they have an agent, I don't assume 
that that means they have a signed buyer broker agreement and then I don't want to interfere with that. Oh, number five is a relative agent that they plan on using when they find a house using all the listing agents to show them the houses, but their friend or their relative that's going to offer them a discount yeah. is going to represent them, right? right. Relative agent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tracy, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with what Jeff said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to bug my relative until you I, help me find a house. I don't want to waste my friend's time, but I'll waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. We're just getting decorating ideas. Yes. Oh, decorating yeah, ideas. Yeah. yeah, it's called the lying. Um, so the one that I used last week when we had... Um, man, where did that lead? I can't remember exactly how the lead came in, but I'm talking to the lead on the phone. And she said, oh, we have an agent. Oh, it was, a, it was, a, it was actually a pay-per-click lead that comes in. My, uh, our agent hadn't reached out. It had been three hours, so I called her. I, I'm sorry. It had been six minutes. And I called, and our agent hadn't reached out, so I called the lead. And guess what? They picked up. Yes. Weird. They picked up. Like the speed to lead is still one of the best things to focus on they're in the moment yeah they're in the moment she was at dinner with her husband john was his name and um when she picked up i said hey thanks i got your email from our website saying that you're looking for properties in north scottsdale and she goes oh i have an agent sorry i was just looking for some unlist some uh, some um i'm looking for for sale by owners she says to me and i go oh all right uh, did, now, did you sign an agreement with your agent that forces you to pay them a commission, whether they help you find a house or not? That was, that was, that's, the, that's the magic, Jeff. That's a, we may need to replay, re, repeat that. And her, her, I'll repeat it. But her response was, I thought the listing, I thought the, I thought the seller paid my agent. <laughs> And, Actually, and I, that was the first time I have used that script plenty. And that was the first time I ever heard that response. That, yes. that one actually paused me because that I thought that was a great response because then I got to showcase what I knew about this industry and I could walk her down the path of, well, sometimes that that's how it works, but not always. Um, but yeah, so when they say that I have an agent and one of my stronger comebacks, if depending on the sophistication that I sense from the person I'm talking to is awesome. Did you sign an agreement that forces you to pay them a commission, whether they help you find a house, buy a house or not? Because mm-hmm. that's in a sense what a buyer broker agreement is. Yes. Right. Yep. And so, but the problem is the public doesn't know what a buyer broker agreement. I, I don't want to use those words because well, they don't know what that means. 8% of agents don't ask for it. So they don't know what it is. Right. And there's also agreements that are out there that are, um, not technically buyer broker agreements, but they're... You're talking about the agency form? No, I'm talking oh. about like, here's what, it's like a commitment letter. More of I signed a commitment to work with you as opposed okay. to an official buyer broker agreement. People go that far to get a commitment letter signed, but not a buyer broker signed? What do you call the document that we have on the drive? A buyer broker agreement. Nice, but we don't use the AAR one? Yeah. What well, yeah. you said that the AR has to be they the only ones that can create <laughs> forms of the oh, agreements. Nice. No, uh-uh, not at all. But some people have different agreements than the state sponsor, you know what I mean? Than, yes. the, than the ones that come from AAR. But anyway, her comment was after I started to explain to her that the seller isn't always the one that pays the commission of the agent. As I started to go through this education piece with her, she goes, no, let me answer it. No, I didn't sign. We don't have any, we haven't signed anything. I said, oh, okay, great. Great. 
And so we then continue. technically you don't have an agent. So then technically you, that's the one that I, if you did have a signed buyer broker agreement, I'm not going to interfere with that. Correct. But if you don't, then I can help you find a house. Well, you are on the standard committee. So we figured you'd follow. All the hey, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What do you think? You ever use that? Have you ever, what's your guys's pitch there? If somebody says I have an agent, how do you respond? I feel like I should, boom, <laughs> JB, he put his hand like it was on the phone to down, <laughs> to hang up. <laughs> uh, on to the next. Well, the thing is, is it is taught by lots of brokers if you ask that they have an agent. And I, that's why we think that that is the wrong way to ask it because it's not, do you, because most people think is, are if you've been shown a house by an agent, that counts as working with them. But we all know that, um, people actually receive emails from lots of agents when they go to open houses and stuff, and they call that working with an agent, but only even though there's no established agency relationship, there's no established agency relationship. Right. Yeah. So another, uh, objection that we hear is they say, oh no, I was just curious. Right. EXP Realty, CBAC team. This is Phil. Hi, Phil. I'm calling because I'm standing in front of the sign at 1123 Main Street. And I was just wondering, how much is it? What do you say? Let me pull when that you, up. When, yeah. No, when do you want to see it? When do you want to see it? Yeah. Oh, um, I was just curious. I was just curious how much it was going for. Well, if you're curious to call, wouldn't you also be curious to see it then? Um. Yes. How's three o'clock? <laughs> well, curious is all I need, right? Like, yeah, I was curious. An objection is where I'm at. Like, curious, great. Oh, I'm just like, curious. I was just because the, no, 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 I was just curious. Well, all objections come with a this body language. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking. I, I have an agent. Oh, I was just curious. What are the other ones? Uh, it's for my sister. Oh, we're not ready. Uh, my husband doesn't want to move. Yeah, zero commitment, right? Right. That, that's what that's what Tracy had with her number one was I am not willing to commit to you at this time. Right. But it's why. But it comes be, out in be, all these different but, but objections. It, but the the theme of of handling that objection is always one of service. Because True. if you're not trying to sell them something, if you're just trying to help them, then you can get past that because then you're not thrown off by objections. Okay. Well, great. Let me. I mean. To me, property level leads should always be set the appointment, right? Yes. So, right. No question. When they call about a house, when do you want to see it is the best way to overcome any objection. Yes. When do you want to see it? When can I get you in? Right. Right. That actually, it's amazing to hear the hamster wheel in their head. As you ask them that question, they totally are thrown off. They're like, oh, oh, uh, I, I get off work at five. Well, I think, well, that, <laughs> right. Actually, You've the, heard them enough. Number two is you, <coughs> I think you need to be time specific, right? Like you, okay, great. Well, I can be there at, at two o'clock. Can you be there at two? Right. Because yeah. what, what happens is, is <clears throat> as you alluded to is uh, people buy time and that time causes the agent to do what first usually I don't know. Buy time. Buy time. Uh, uh, let me check with my husband to see when they're free. Oh, right. oh uh, I'm at dinner right now. I'm at, but can you just answer my question? Right? Like to me, they buy time because they don't know how to answer. 
you were trying to get them to commit to something. So, yeah. Um, but where I was at is the agent typically does what action, which is the worst action that they could do. I can email that listing to you. Uh, just in anything that is referring to them looking up the property. Oh, right. 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 And that's where in handling objections, the objection is, is I, to me is to educate agents is not to look at the house because then you're going to want to answer. You're going to want to, you're going to want to give them all the information and then lose the, lose their value. To me, it's always set an appointment. It's always set yes. an appointment. Yes. It's, oh, yes. Like I can get you that information when I meet you at the house. I actually use an, an excitement scale to help talk about this because the excitement scale of the consumer has to reach a certain level before they're willing to go to meet you. Oh, so you need to get them up the excitement scale. Oh, well, oh. no, hold on. Oh, they get themselves up the excitement scale. To the point that they call you or download your QR code to see what the property is worth. Their excitement scale is at the point where they want to know more information about the house. And if we don't set the appointment right then, you know what happens to their excitement? It falls back down. Okay. So you're saying that the and best, then it's your best chance to set an appointment is when is their excitement when, level is above the right. threshold where they would be willing to meet with somebody. So what they would be willing what, to meet a stranger at a house. What information would they give out that would lower their excitement level no so here's what happens here's what agents do when they answer all of the questions is they like oh that if an agent says oh that property is under contract what happens to the consumer's excitement 50 percent of the time it goes the below, conversation's over it goes yeah. below the threshold of where it needs to be for them to be willing to meet a stranger well at a property good one and so then it's up to us the salesperson to re-excite them over that level so that we can meet with them, which is really hard. And very hard. It's a it's manual, it's very time consuming to have to to put every every prospect's excitement level on your back, and you're the one that has to get them all up there. Interesting. It's so a different way of looking at it. Instead, we have to we have to strike while their excitement level is high enough, which is where the property level lead comes in. Yes. we that's why we schedule appointments as fast as we can with these people because they're ready, willing, and able to meet with an agent at that point. Awesome. Even though they may tell you, oh, I was just looking. Well, it's always, I was just looking. Well, right. cl clearly, because you called me about it, we know you're looking already. Yes. yes. That's, that's the same, that's the same playbook that Zillow has, regardless of what the, the listing is, meet them there. Because even though it may be under contract, you don't tell them that initially. You meet them, get their info, get them to meet you, get them to like you. And then, all right, sorry, this one's under contract. Let me go look for another one for you and get them prequaled at the same time. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I, I feel like that's a little bit um, misleading. And I, I, I have a problem. Like, I always have to be able to sleep at night, right? And so the justification that I use to help myself sleep at night is just knowing that properties fall out and that properties are actually more likely to fall out right now in this market than normal. Because people, buyers have to bid so high over asking and have to be like committing to waiving all kinds of things so they can get a property under contract that their buyer's remorse is louder than, than normal. And so then they're more likely to back out. So it's hard if you're, if you're going to tell them that the property is under contract, which dips their excitement level below them wanting to meet you there, you might be doing them a disservice because in the event that that property falls out, now they're not even going to have, they weren't there. 
right? Like it's more likely that you can win that property if it falls out, if you do meet them there. So that's in, you know, Carlos, thank you for your feedback, but that's why I would withhold that information right on that initial call. I, to me, it's just more just the mind of services. You know what? You want to see the house. I'm going to show you the house. Right. That's it. I mean, the, the reality is, is that they're, uh, they're going to buy a house and they need a great agent and I'm a great agent. So they just asked the wrong question. I can't fault them for that. So <laughs> fair, fair, fair. All right. What other objections you guys hear from property level leads? Come on, Mark. I know you got one for Jeff. Put him on the spot. What? <laughs> when you get a sign call, does it does the does the does the person calling the sign ever put a brick wall and not want to meet you? Do they do they have some? What's their objection? Oh, they, it's always the denial. It's I'm the neighbor that lives down the street. I just want to know what they're selling it for, you know. And they they just want information. It's just a it's just a tag to get people to make your phone ring. That's all. And to Jeff's point, you just play the, you know, how can I help? How can I be of service? What are you looking for? You know, where are you going? Oh, so you're not interested. So your son's interested. Oh, that's great. When would he like to see it? It's just, you just keep asking him open-ended questions till you get an answer. Yeah. To me, yeah, that's I all. Great answer. Great comment. Yeah, nice. I, thank I, you, Mark. And then to me, I, I was just thinking just because uh, Carlos, thank you for good to see your face again, Carlos. Um, but to me, it's at the open house. There's it's still the same script, but it, now it's to set an appointment to see a different house. But that's the hard thing about the open house is you have to create excitement about another house without giving away the details of the house, same, same property level. But the objection is, is them not wanting to give you the correct information is the objection, right? Cause we've all been in an open house and we give them a list and they say, okay, I'm not gonna give you that information or they give you the wrong phone number a la Nancy Voorhees, right? They write down the wrong name or the wrong phone number. They flat out lie. And, but your goal is still to set the appointment, right? Like to me, but that, cause that's where you need to dangle the carrot of a unlisted property and build excitement about something they cannot see. I actually think that it's easier to build excitement about something that they cannot see. As long as you know what they're looking for. Yes. I know what they're looking for. Cause they came to the house that, you're at you're at and they saw it online yeah but that's a hard harder transition for many right because the thing is is i still think that people it's easier for me so all right well, when, when they're think... when they're dodging when they're leaving ready when they're ready to run through an open house and run out without talking to anybody they don't want to talk to you those are hard ones to convert i'll give you that but when somebody is pleasant enough and then when they're leaving and they say lovely house Right, because they're wanting to get out of the door. Yeah. I think that the what did you think? Oh, it was a lovely house. That to me is an objection. Absolutely objection. I attack that objection by saying lovely house. That's what people say when it wasn't even close to being something that they were interested in. That's a good objection. Usually, usually, if somebody likes the property, they're going to tell me that their dining room table wouldn't fit, or that their kid, or like they tell me what was wrong with it. But it wasn't even close. Why not? 
Too small. Too small. Got it. So you're looking for something bigger than 1,800 square feet. Well, but to see that, but to me. And then I can sell the next property. Well, I mean, if we're talking about open houses, that tells me that that person was a drive-by, right? Because the key in doing open houses is that you market the house on the sites like the realtor.coms. And the way you do that is by putting it on open house and get it syndicated out to make sure it appears on those. Because if you want most of your traffic to be people that came off of the internet. Yeah. Right. And to me, that objection is somebody that's driving by because do you think that people, if they're looking for a house, that's a four bedroom, three bath with a pool, that's 2,500 square feet. And they see one for 4,000 square feet that they still go to the house. If they're driving around the neighborhood. Yes. If they're looking on their computer. Right. No. And that, yes. So yeah. to me, what we don't realize is it's our bad marketing efforts that cause us to only have traffic that's bad traffic. So I want to go, I, I'm with you. Okay. But I want to go back to the objection that Mark brought up. Great. And that was, I'm just a neighbor. Love that objection. Right. I'm a neighbor. I live down the street. Right. How do we, how all right, so what do we say to that, Mark? Or anybody else? We say, no, no, we say, go Suns, go Suns. Oh, oh yeah, wow. that's that's seven o'clock tonight. Absolutely, yeah, go Suns, 7.30. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's I, I always answer, well, there's several different answers that you can answer with. So if you're not interested, do you know somebody that might be? You can pick your neighbor. You might want to pick your own neighbor. You might know somebody that's looking for a house. That's a good one. Awesome. Uh, yep. We have a little different approach, but yep. we want to give someone else give a shot. Yep. Who else wants to take a shot? Linda? Tracy's unmuted. Tracy, let's hear it. When are you thinking of selling? Okay. That's yes. the direct. I, I, Did you start like at Tracy. Keller Williams? No. Condomania. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Condomania. No, I know she's a condomania. Oh. But, all right. Yeah. So actually, to me, the most I wish I was more direct. The most the most uh, obvious sign that um, realtors are not paying attention to what they do, not what they say, is the word looky loo neighbor. Yeah. Right? Because we don't believe in looky loo. We neighbors. don't believe in looky loos, right? So to me, the goal because when... looky loos change your mind that you shouldn't pursue a lead. Right. When you when yes. you define somebody as a looky loo, that means that there's no value in you communicating with them. Right. So to me, and that's we're, wrong. We're wrong trying, mindset. We're trying to remove the glass ceiling when it when it when it's a neighbor. And here is what here's how you attack that: is you ask them if they live in this neighbor, or you use the name of a neighborhood real close by, and what we call the guess wrong. Oh, I like the guest wrong. The guest wrong. Yeah. Right? Does everybody understand the guest wrong? No. So the guest wrong is a tactic. When you want somebody to honestly tell you something, you guess something close to what you think they are, or, you know, something close to what the actual answer is. They correct you instinctively and give you the right answer. But it's a, a tactic where you purposely, but you have to get close, right? Like for instance, we're in Scottsdale. If they came in to my 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 neighborhood in Greyhawk, I wouldn't guess Arrowhead Lakes because that's 12, 12 yeah. miles away. 
But if they come in Greyhawk, <coughs> I would say, do you live in Sonoran Hills, which is adjacent to Greyhawk? And they say, no, I live in, in Raptor Retreat, right? So they, they instinctively correct you when you guess close enough, but not accurately. And we define that as the guess wrong. But the point <laughs> but sometimes is, you guess, sometimes the guess wrong, you're actually right. You're actually right. And yes. they're like impressed. Yes. And they're like, do you live there? Right. Yeah. So the, the, the goal, though, for the neighbors, Mark, from where we're from, is to get you to drop off a CMA at their house. So the next three questions have to be more inquisitive that you can find them ba based on tax record information. So we're being very specific with our, our, our script here, but it is true. Does everybody understand that? Because if we're gonna drop off a packet of not a CMA comps, a CMA information packet, yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta know where their house is. Free so listing packet. First you yeah. have to go to a neighborhood and then you have to determine what size of the house they live in, how long they live in the house, if it's two levels, one level, or if it has a pool, is everybody following me? Okay. So the first question is, because in the tax record, you can find out where everybody, by what date that they purchased. So the question is, how long have you lived in the house? Now, you know that they usually remember within two or three years that they're usually not accurate, but, and then... The second question that you ask is, is your house bigger or smaller? Because if it's bigger, you know, they're downsizing. And if it's small, anyway, but no, they, so that you can put a range, you can of put a range of square footage, footage search, right? And then also, you know, because in the tax records, they, it, whether it has a pool or not, and then one story, two story, you know, is, is, oh, this is a one level. Do you have two levels or you have one level? And now you have all your answers and then you can look at them up and then you can drop off the CMA. It's a little advanced, but that's where we're going with trying yeah. to convert leads. The best way to convert a lead is to drop off a packet. Yes, JB. I mean, you didn't say it, but I think you also mean, but you should also know at least one of their names or at least the first name. Yes. Yes. Good. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's actually first. When they walk in the door, you ask no, them. They call on the phone. This is Mark's. This is the, I'm just a neighbor. I, I was, no, I was talking open house leads. I'm a neighbor. Oh, or were you it, talking got it, got it, got on the phone, Mark? Either one. I thought, I thought it was the open house that we were talking about. That's what, okay. I'm the one that's lost. Yeah, you're that's not, that is totally normal. Yes. Is that where we were? Yes. We were in an open house and then, cause that's typically when I hear I, I'm a neighbor. I mean, that's when I hear, when I hear I'm a neighbor and I was just curious, I say, oh, that's awesome. Do you also, do you live, do, my guess wrong is, do you all, are you also on Main Street? Yeah. Oh, cool. Are you closer to the cul-de-sac or are you closer to the park? No, we live over in the cul-de-sac. That's guess, my, that's guess, my guess, guess wrong. wrong. Is yeah. I have a series of questions that help me pinpoint where they are. Oh, cool. And then the, the more I know about that neighborhood, the easier it is for me. This is where I showcase my knowledge, right? Oh, awesome. You're, are you the two-story with that huge elm tree in the front yard? Did you see my kids? Uh, no, no, we live right. Weekend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, we live right across the street from that. Oh, okay, awesome. With the red Mustang that's out front. Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. Right. Like now you're because sellers only want to hire one of two things: local or trustworthy. 
right? Like somebody yes. they have a trust trust with because they were referred to that person or somebody that's local that knows their neighborhood. Right. So why you ask these questions is showcase to your showcase knowledge. Showcase your if they area. if they say that they don't live on Main Street, then you then I go to the neighborhood level. Oh, okay, but are you guys in uh, Pinnacle, which is the name of a subdivision inside of Greyhawk? No, no. Then they correct you. No, we're in Montevina. Montevista? Montevina. Montevina. We're in Montevina. Oh, awesome. In Montevita. Mm. How long you guys lived there? Mm. Right. And it's just a very casual conversation that really helps you be able to pinpoint them later. All right. So, but to get back to that other, but Mark, the other way that I go with that, because in my mind, I had sign call, right? Like if somebody calls off of the sign and they say, I was just curious, I'm just a neighbor. I was just curious at the price. I say, oh, okay, yeah. So uh, you don't have the internet? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh -huh. No, I was, yeah, because we don't get a lot of sign calls about price anymore. Ever. Yeah, they yeah. don't exist. They always yes. look them up now. Yes. Interesting. That's okay, why I so thought then, it had to be the open house. Fair. So let me go back into the open house, because the other thing that we do in, in an open house is I present a list i do a mini listing presentation wrapped as a buyer benefit okay because they're in, if they don't tell you that they're looking or if they just say that they're a looky or whatever they just say they're oh, just curious they're a neighbor they have a house and you know they're gonna sell so you i assume wanna, okay. dude i'm in an open house looking for sellers let me just start there like everybody that walks in has a house yes. that they want to sell with me does anyone else mindset? have that attitude because that's my attitude as well i'm look. i'm in an open house looking for sellers okay good right JB. like All right. i'm gonna get in some neighbor is gonna walk in and they're just they're interviewing agents even though they're not telling me when they walk in hi i'm here to interview you yes. to see if i want to hire you yes instead you. they remind me of my recent loss yeah instead they walk in and they say hi i'm uh just looking or whatnot, right? And once you can figure out something a little bit closer to what they're looking for, the way that I, the reason why I wrap a mini listing presentation as a buyer benefit is because I don't want to insult them and tell them, I know you're really a seller. Let me tell you all the things that I do for you as a seller. So we would never say that. I never say that. Okay. Instead, I say, oh, oh, you're looking for a house smaller than this that has to have a pool? All right, let me look through the list of properties that we're that we're getting ready to list cuz when when we have clients that contact us when we meet with them a lot of times we uh, give them strategies on how to help them sell for more money we pay for the house to be cleaned for painting to get done we have a stager that goes out and anywhere from you know 3 days to 3 weeks we have these coming soon properties as we help people prepare their properties for market let me look through any of those to see if it, any of them meet your criteria you have, you have a stager that goes out to the houses? Mm. Oh yeah, on every set, absolutely, right? But I didn't, I don't start with, let me give you a pitch of what we do to list houses. I start by saying, it just takes a little bit of time for us to prepare properties for sale so that wrapped as a buyer benefit, there might be one for you in that, in that group. Here's the reason why we have, we might have more properties in that group. I don't know, did I explain that poorly? Sometimes I feel like it makes sense in my head. I'd be willing to buy a comma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Wrap a mini listing presentation as a buyer benefit. That's as simple as I can define how I talk to sellers in an open house as buyers. But I think it's key to know what your... Uh, unique selling proposition is as a listing agent so you can actually wrap it 
So you actually, Fair. to me, because we offer more stuff, right? So um, yes, we look at marketing as a listing in three different phases from pre MLS coming soon yeah. active. Like I can talk about whatever it is that we do as a way to buy my, you know, as a way for me to go back and look to see if we have anything that's okay. In there so we attacked the, the neighbor. We attacked the person that was non-committal. Is there any objections that we haven't? Cause I mean, that's kind of wrapping up the, yeah. All right. What other objections do you guys hear out there? JB? Yeah. Um, uh, we have an addressed relative. Um, I've got a cousin and when I find a house, I'm just going to call him and he'll give me half the commission. So that's, that's fine. That's awesome. What brokerage is he with? Uh, sketchyhomes.com. Sketchy homes. Sketchy. I've actually heard of sketchy homes. That's cool. Does he, is he out there looking in the field for all the houses that like, how often do you meet, meet up with I, him? I, I don't think he sold anything in the last three years, but you know, he still has his license and, uh, he told me to just give him a call if I find something. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to role play with you, JB, but I will tell you that there are times that I offer a referral fee. Right. And then what I do is separate how we look for how we find properties. Right. Because some of the homes that some of the homes that come that sell, sell before they hit the market. Well, right. Yeah. Some of the homes that sell, sell on day zero. Do you think that those are the best homes priced correctly or the worst homes priced incorrectly that sell immediately? The best. Oh, okay. Yeah. Us too. That's actually what we find. So, our goal in helping buyers is to identify properties before they even hit the MLS so that your cousin or yourself that's searching the internet might not even know that they're available when they're already sold. So your strategy works as long as you're comfortable with buying a house that isn't as the best possible house for yourself. Yeah, or, I mean, to me, even uh, almost 30 to 40% of the houses were now making offers before we're even seeing them. So if you're making it a, <clears throat> a requirement that you have to visit it, then call your friend you're probably missing all the best houses. Have you thought about that? Because it's actually true, right? Like if you have to make it a requirement that you're going to go to a house, then call your agent, like you have no chance of winning. Anyway. Fair. With the, with the supply crisis that we're in. Yes. Right. I, I mean, but, to but me, we've the question also... is, is, would you buy a house if you fell in love and you had to make a decision to buy it? Would, would, what if there was no, what if there was no uh, compensation for your cousin or, you know, would you still use your cousin? I mean. Oh, you mean, what if there was no, what if there's no I mean, co-broke offered? Right. Would you pay your cousin out of your pocket if the house that you fell in love well, with no, didn't I offer was, a co-broke? I was just trying to say is, well, I mean, because usually the tactic, if they say cousin JB, my tactic is, is. Well, I have homes that we don't offer a co-broke for, right? Like I have unlisted inventory that I could only show you, but if it was the perfect house and you, and your cousin couldn't get paid, would you still buy it is the, is usually where I would go with that. Yeah. And then I would then find them a house that's unlisted and call them and say, I got one. Yeah, I got one. Right. Like I got a great house, but you can only see it if you don't use your cousin. Are you open to that? Because sometimes they say no and sometimes they say yes. Right. Right. Sometimes they'll burn their cousin. And that's what you those are the ones you want to focus on. They don't burn their cousin, though, by a verbal initial conversation. They burn their cousin when they think that you have something that is exactly what they want. And they can only buy it through you. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, this, the reason this came up is because a lot of times people say, I want to use my cousin, but they're actually not committed to the cousin. And then if you allow that again, first, did you sign something oh, with them? What? <laughs> I just think of the clients that we've had conversations with that were like, well, let's see, if you could do it this way, then I could tell my cousin that. Yes. Right. Or like they tell you what they need in order to get them off the hook of working with their cousin and still being able to go to a family reunion. Right. Because it's the it's the in-laws son that they really That's don't right. even like the in-law, but they do like the son <laughs> kind of. <yeah. laughs> nice. Good one. Thank you for bringing that one up, JB. What All else? Right. What other ones did we miss? I think so. Steven's walking through the airport. Oh no, he's about to walk into our office. Yeah. Oh, nice. He's yes. getting with me. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in today's topic of how to overcome the property level lead objections. Hopefully, it was helpful. Yeah. yeah. Getting into the putting the trainer's hat yeah. on. Do you like our and new if background? You're, if, you're, if you're local, we're doing a five city tour for real estate leopard. We're going to uh, Scottsdale first, and then we're going to Chandler. We're going to the west side. We're going to, I think, Glendale a day, Peoria, Billmore area, Billmore, Tempe. Yes. Yep. All right. Please join us. Thank you. Adios, guys.